go live. Just go live work. Hope go live works. Good morning. I'm trying something a little bit different. It's from OBS, which I've been using the whole time, the whole time, for however many years, uh, including last week when we had some problems, but I'm back in my office. But OBS has got this integration now. Good morning, Stefan. I said, okay, cool. Someone's turned up. That's good. Uh, <laughs> integration. I think it's just you and I, so we can probably say anything right now. It is a bit of an odd. Is it an odd time? It's a normal time. Got an integration where you've got all your YouTube bits and pieces in OBS rather than just putting in a stream key in a URL, and you can trigger things from OBS. And I guess in theory, you don't have to use the YouTube interface at all. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to tweet this. Tweet at exit. We'll talk more about X in just a moment. Let's do sponsor first, and then uh, <laughs> I just hooked someone on password purgatory. And I do want to see how they went because they deserved it. I'll explain who they are. Sponsor this week is Aura. Uh, Aura again. Aura has been a sponsor multiple times this year. Identity theft isn't cheap. Secure your family with Aura, the number one rated proactive protection. It helps keep you safe online. Get started. Now, I mentioned Aura in those previous sponsorships and said I really like what they're doing. They are US only at the moment. Uh, I would like you, if you're in the US, to go and check them out because they're doing a good thing. And if you're not in the US, to give them a nudge and say, please go to other parts of the world because we need good identity theft protections because the ones we've got, I think you know some of the companies we've got. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not as much. The smart, simple way to stay safe online, all in one, digital safe for the whole family, protect from identity theft, fraud, and online threats. Uh, starting with a free trial of zero dollars, 14 days. Go and check out Aura. Big thanks to them for sponsoring me again this week. We are at the very, very end of the year, too. Must only have two of these left. Well, oh. hmm. Okay. Now, as I promised, it's not on the schedule, but I did just hook someone. In fact, while we're here and we're all troubleshooting, <laughs> um, Cloudflare workers you can send email from. Now, I wrote all this up, but it's one of these things where it's like it's not important enough and it's in the basket that's too hard that I haven't done it yet, but it's, it's bugging me. So you can send email from a Cloudflare worker. I wrote this up a couple of years ago, whenever it was, that I set up password purgatory. After I hook someone, I get the worker to send me an email to say, hey, you've hooked someone and it's got a deep link through to the replay, if you like, uh, of their time in hell, <laughs> hell being the password purgatory. That hasn't sent email for a very long time. <laughs> Nothing's failing as far as I can see. And I think it has to do with SPF records that I should have for that mail provider, but I don't have. I can't remember who the mail provider is. And when I went and started Googling, it's like, why isn't, why isn't there something obvious about how to configure this so that it works? Um, if anyone knows how to successfully send mail from a Cloudflare worker, please let me know because it's, uh, it's a bit of a shame that I have to do it this way. Now, when I say this way, the only way now I know when someone's in password purgatory is they email me back and they say, I'm having trouble registering on your website, which I find hilarious. So here's the story with these folks. I'm going to name these ones because screw them. I hate this crap. Subject here. In fact, Charlotte was looking over my shoulder before and she said, oh, cool, you're up for an award. No, I'm not. I'm not. Subject, Troy Hunt recognised for top 10 innovative leaders revamping the future of cloud. 
Now, as soon as I saw that, <laughs> that just sounded spammy as hell. Uh, I'm going to try and find a password purgatory link from a previous one that I've shared here. And then I can get the deep link and then I can get the good off the email that I sent them over there. Okay. Right. So, hi, Troy. Greetings. I am, and I'll censor the guy's name, but I am person <laughs> representing CIO Look Business Magazine. I'm thrilled to inform you that our editorial team at CIO Look has chosen you for the cover story of an upcoming editorial edition. So far, so good. This edition is titled The Top 10 Innovative Leaders Revamping the Future of Cloud in 2024. And you look at it and go, well, maybe I was. <laughs> maybe I was revamping the future. I knew I wasn't. Revamping the future of cloud. It goes on. Oh, geez. I didn't even read all this because it's such crap. Uh, basically, they're telling me, you, whoever they send this to, that you're fantastic and that the editorial and promotional benefits of this award are your image is on the cover. I'm going to put this over here. I'm going to zoom it in. It's too early. I can't read this. <laughs> I'm not pausing for dramatic effect. I'm pausing because I couldn't see it properly. Why is it in a serif font as well? Your image is on the cover of this edition. Eight full pages of profile in print and online magazines. Who reads this crap knowing that it's all bullshit? Print-ready, high-resolution PDF of your profile with reprint rights logo of your participation to use on your website, media and press release, digital certificate of honour for your participation in this edition. Crap, 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 please send us $3,000. <laughs> and the way they say it is, note, there is a nominal cost of $3,000 US for the above mentioned, that's four and a half thousand of my dollars, that's a lot of money. We'd be delighted to feature you as the centerpiece of this edition. If you're interested in seizing this opportunity, please let us know. As Fritz has just said, sounds like the bullshit generator, which it does. So I, of course, immediately drop this in a password purgatory and it responds and it says, this is exciting and might empower a cutting-edge partnership. I'd like to invite you to leave your information on my special registration form. We'll only take a moment. We look forward to exploiting the cross-platform mindshare together. And that was from the bullshit generator. Literally, Fritz. So there you go. Now, when I send that back, that has got a GUID in there. And if I take that GUID and then I pop it into the passwordpurgatory.com page, I should be able to pull up exactly what their password purgatory attempts were <laughs> spammer made 18 attempts you know i'll just tweet this i'll tweet it and then it's easier for everyone to find it uh let's have a look new password purgatory spammer hit and i'll put the little devil emoji as we like to do uh let me just make sure this person hasn't gone and put all these yeah, yeah. <laughs> name in it. Ugh. I can't. I can't share it. <laughs> uh, I can read. I can read it, but I won't put his name in. All right, I just have to explain what it was. So, keeping in mind that this has come from CIA Look Business Magazine. Do they say what the name of it, the edition or anything in here? 
Ah, we'll just get straight to the passwords. I'll read the ones I can read. Started out trying to put insights987 at hash dollar. Now that's insights with a capital I because <laughs> you've got to have an uppercase, but he must have done that already knowing that that's often what is done. Now, password purgatory comes back and says that the password must end with dog, <laughs> like D-O-G. Scott's here. G'day, mate. He's um, talking about uh, password purgatory here. I got one of those um, one of those business ones uh, award things where it's like you have been chosen. You are the chosen one for this award. We're thrilled to announce your success. Please give us money. Hooked on password purgatory. Must end with dog. Now, this person's not real bright because all they've done is they've just taken off the symbols at the end. Hasn't worked. Then it says it must be 12 to 16 characters. <laughs> so they've just gone insights. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then it says password length must be even. <laughs> so they've added eight to the end. Attempt six, 36 seconds later, because I do tell you how long they wait between each one. It says it must be 12 to 16 characters long. So they put in an at symbol somewhere as well. Still wasn't right. So I've said the password must be 12 to 16 characters long. This person has put in their first name, their last name. This is why I'm not going to tweet it now. CIO look. So imagine like John Smith, CIO look. Anyway, they keep going, they keep going, they keep going. They're just doing the same thing. There's only one thing to do for this. I'm going to drop the email he just replied to me with back into the send spammer back to password purgatory folder, which will automatically send him back to password purgatory. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I, I do need to figure out why these Cloudflare workers aren't actually sending email because what I want to do, I want to level it up a little bit. I want to not only send the no notification email to me once the spammer is hooked, I want to send it back to them and say, thank you for playing along. I do have a blog post that's been in draft for ages about spam. Uh, I want to link that to them. I, I want to rub their nose in the naughty spam behavior. Let's, let's put it that way. I, I feel there needs to be a bit more pain because <laughs> I think they deserve it. I might be asking for trouble here, but I think it'd be fun. We'll see. All right, on to other things. Where were we? Um, IoT, UV, and solar sensors. So it's gotten hot here. You'd love it at the moment, Scott. You'd be, you'd be melting, mate. Uh, where are we exactly at the moment? We're, um, apparently, this is going to be a record heat wave year, which tends to be the trend these days. Our forecast at the moment, the last few days have been 30-something. Today's 33. That's the hottest day we've had so far. And then in the days that are coming... 33, 31, oh, 29, cool. 30, 30, 29. Oh, some cooler days coming. Anyway, today would be 33. It'd be very hot. Our um, aircon has also stopped working, which, of course, it's going to do this time of year. It's probably why I look so disheveled at the moment because I'm just beyond even caring right now. But we have aircon for downstairs, which is like one unit. These are ducted aircons. Now, if you're not from part of the world that has air conditioning, we typically either have split cycles. So you've got like a unit on the wall and it pretty much goes through the wall and the condenser and everything's on the outside of the house. And then you have one of those in each room. Or if the place is designed around aircon is a bit more modern like this one is, you have ducted. So you have one or two big units at one part of the house uh, and then it pumps coolant around the house and then you have the condensers somewhere up in the ceiling. So we have learned that ours are above our ensuite, and as part of fixing this, we're going to have to demolish the ceiling in the ensuite. Um, 
Ben says I'd sort of been for swim. Oh, look, I was at some point. I can't remember if I've had a shower since then or not. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, so we've got these two external units and they are 16 years old and they sit out there next to the salt water running for a significant portion of the year, less these days because we have ceiling fans as of I think sometime earlier this year, which, which is a saving grace given that one of the units isn't working out. And then one of them cools everything downstairs and then one of them cools everything upstairs. Uh, well, the one upstairs normally cools upstairs, but as of a week or something ago, it decided to stop. Now, the problems with that is it's the hottest time of year, so of course the air conditioning people are busy fixing air conditioning. The other problem is it's nearly Christmas and everybody wants to get stuff done before Christmas, which makes it even worse trying to get anything done before Christmas. So they've gone and looked at it and went, look, you got to, uh, the, keeping in mind, not an aircon person, <laughs> something to the effect of the coil has been damaged and it's leaked out the cooling. You need to replace the coolant, also need to replace the coil, uh, labor, parts, everything else. Long story short, it's like this is $7,000 Australian, which was a four something US. Um, more than what it would cost to have a, a feature in the CIO Look Business <laughs> magazine to replace this. Uh, it is not significantly more than that to replace the entire 16-year-old unit, which, of course, is going to have other problems. So that's where we are. We're replacing air conditioning units, which is uh, which is a little bit sucky. Um, Fritz says, hot is okay, humidity sucks. And look, look that's where it's a little bit different. And I just see Tony said it recently hit 43 in South Africa. Um, humidity is the thing that really, really makes it different. Now, our humidity, where's my charts? Our humidity is what does make it a little bit harder here. Uh, we are often very, very high. Our humidity, let's see, at around midnight was what, 87%. It's now, now 80 something percent, but often I see us up at like 95%. Which is which is obviously quite high. Temperature is not so bad at the moment. We're at, according to the weather station, twenty five degrees. So, air conditioning things there. Now, mind you, that is a good excuse to IoT my aircon properly, <laughs> and not just use a switch bot to turn the switch on and off, which is what I've been doing before. Uh, and in fact, I think it is uh, what is it? My ah, oh, geez, I was here the other day. My Air, Smart Advantage. So I think what we'll probably end up with is one called Advantage Air. Now, this may be unfamiliar to a bunch of people because it's an Aussie thing. Um, I had, when I was looking around earlier on about retrofitting IoT to our existing units, this name seemed to come up a lot. It looks pretty cool. They basically put an Android panel. And then I'm thinking, yeah, now I've got to have another thing to patch and update and everything else. <laughs> That'll go on the IoT network. An Android panel to control all your zones. Uh, much better control than we have at the moment because we can basically just set the temperature of the unit and then turn zones on or off and then everything in that zone uh, ends up at the same, any of those zones ends up at the same temp. This does like zone by zone control, a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, plugs into all your IoT and then there's a Home Assistant integration written by the guy who just coincidentally wrote the Splunk integration for Have I Been Pwned Domain Search and he's up here close by. So I figure maybe that's a safe bet. I think that's what we'll end up with. Not such a problem not having it done before Christmas. We're going away on Boxing Day to Europe to spend time with Scott and Stefan and a bunch of other people in the colder parts of the world, so we've only got to get it done the end of next month. Anywho, UV and solar. <laughs> so, um, 
Hmm. Yeah, it's got saying low patches for an old Android tablet. Good luck. <sighs> yeah. I'd, I'd feel... I wonder what the interface is. Like, I wonder if it's just a web page wrapped in an app. I'd so much rather have a couple of, like, iPad minis or something. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know. Um... So we'll be off to Europe. Uh, as Ben says, it's cooler. Uh, we're going to be in France and Italy and Oslo, which will definitely be cooler than here. So that'll be done when we're back. Now, the UV and the solar. Several years ago now, I got a Davis Vantage Pro weather station. I think that's the same one you've got, isn't it, Scott? Um, which is a great sort of prosumer weather station. It does all the things you expect it to do very reliably, Um Good integration home assistant simply because there's a JSON-based endpoint that you can hit at any time and pull all the data back. So I've got all of that. Now, that has done, it has done temperature, humidity, pressure, wind speed, wind direction. I think that's it. And this has been good. What I really wanted, uh, and of course, rain, rain rate. What I really wanted is at home... The whole idea of the IoT stuff is to try and try and make life better, which it usually does. Now, part of making it better is we go through several phases of the day. So there's a phase which is morning. Uh, and what I'm doing at the moment is just automatically at 4.30 in the morning, I'm saying turn on a small set of lights, turn on the coffee machine. It's so that it's warm enough by the time I got up. So I got up at 4.45 this morning. By the time I came downstairs, coffee machine's warm. That's great. And then there's a daylight phase. So at some point in time, we say we don't need the lights on anymore. Now, what I used to do is just have an offset from the sunrise, which you can get Home Assistant uh, sunrise time via a sensor. Offset that. That's when we turn the lights off. It's, it's a very vague guess because sometimes it's an overcast day and it's still dark-ish, and you're turning the lights off. And it's like, oh, that's a bit crap. Anyway, then you're in daylight. When you get to the end of the day, we go into sunset mode. And sunset mode, again, was done from an offset of the sunset. And I think I was saying like 45 minutes before sunset, you know, turn the lights on. But again, if it's like an overcast day, I've had times where it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and occasionally we get clouds here, <laughs> occasionally. And it just doesn't feel right. Now, like this is the most first world of problems, but I thought it would be nice if we could start to do this based on the amount of light in the sky, which is what we get from solar radiation. So the solar radiation sensor uh, obviously tracks how much sun we get. We get both uh, solar radiation and UV. I was doing a bit of reading on this the other day. They are related but different things, where UV is very much just the ultraviolet light, whereas solar radiation is a combination of different things. One of the things I realize is I have the little UV reading on my watch, currently reading one because it's 6.30 in the morning, uh, I use this a lot because it does get so freaking bright here. And for those of you who spent time in Australia in the summer, for a big part of the year, if you don't put sunscreen on, you've got about, depending on your skin complexion, Scott, maybe like 15 or 20 minutes before you burn. So seeing solar radiation is really good. It goes up to the 11 on, on the watch. Now, what I didn't realize is that, that solar radiation rating can go well beyond 11. And every time my watch says 11, we're usually well beyond it. Yesterday, so keep in mind, anything that is 11 plus is extreme. Yesterday, we got to 14.7, according to the weather station. How about that? 
And it's kind of cool too, because I can see with the solar radiation and UV ratings, they, they generally go like this, a nice kind of like arc, a little bell curve. But when there's cloud, they oscillate a lot because the cloud comes over and then dissipates and everything. So anyway, now I've got enough information to be able to say when the light is at a certain level and I'm trying to make it at a certain level for a certain amount of time, particularly when I'm turning the lights on in case a cloud passes by, but it's very transient. And we can turn stuff on and off from that, which is cool. Now to do this, to install this, I had to get up on the roof. So I bought two little sensors, there's a tweet of it somewhere, I'll put it in the notes as well. Had to get up on the roof and install these on the existing weather station. Now, People here are probably like me in that we're nerds. We like tech. If tech comes, you want to play with tech as soon as it comes. It's not like you're going to get it and you're going to sit it there and go, I'll get back to this tomorrow or later in the day when it's cooler, you want to do it now. And, of course, it came in the middle of the day. So I get up on the roof. And I knew I had to put, like, towels and stuff down before because you can't touch the roof. It's like black tin for part of it. And afterwards, I was like, I really should check like how hot that was. And I've got one of those little infrared heat guns. Not a heat gun, you know what I mean. The one with the laser tells you how hot it is. Uh, and it was 87 degrees Celsius on the roof, which is, um, yeah, it says a lot about Aussie temperatures. Uh, Ivan, wouldn't it have been easier to achieve the same result with light sensor in the house? No, because there are other factors that can change the amount of light in the house, such as curtains, for example. Uh, also, depending on where the sun is in the sky, the light might change. And look, it depends how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. Like, should we have a light sensor in each room and then we just do each room independently? Uh, I think that's getting a bit carried away, even for me. Plus, particularly in the summer and given how much sunlight we do get, I do find the data interesting uh, just to see how nuts it's been. I might find there's other good reasons or other good things we can do with things like sudden drops or increases in sunlight as well. I'm kind of curious uh, if there are other options there. We'll see. Anyway, let's talk about balloon fetish videos. <laughs> it's something that we didn't didn't see coming, is it? So what, one of the things... I'm oh, sorry. One what, what of the things I try and do with data breaches is be very objective. Uh, and mature <laughs> to a point. But there are certain data breaches where it's just hard. It's, see, it's, it's difficult to maintain your decorum. Now, I tweeted this one. Uh, in fact, it was, it was interesting. It was a very small data breach. And we're going to talk about exactly what it is in a moment. Very small data breach. Uh, multiple people drew my attention to it, though, because probably due to the nature of it, it got attention. Now, where are we? Uh, here's the story. Uh -huh. Headline, notorious hacker wipes clean video hosting site for balloon, <laughs> air quotes, enthusiasts. <laughs> now, when I saw balloon enthusiasts, I thought, oh, it's like making bunnies in the shopping center and giving them to children. Um, you know, like that's obviously what it is. It's something very, very simple. Uh, turns out, no, no. Uh, <laughs> inflate vids. Here's the have a been pwn description. Inflate vids, the inflatable 
and Balloon Fetish Videos website had 13,000 records breached this week. Data included email address, username, IP address, gender, SHA-1, password, hash, good on you guys for that one. 32% of them already in have been pwned. Now, as I quote tweeted here, I said their site is down, so I can't see for myself, and I'm probably going to regret asking this, but uh, what happens in balloon fetish videos? Now, it actually turns out it's less dirty than what I expected. I have been on the internet for too long, I think. And apparently it's more, you know, I'm just going to read people's <laughs> response to that. I'm going to see if the, the site is back online first. And then we can, <laughs> I don't know, watch it together. Let's see. Is it back? Inflate vids. Uh, I'm not sure this is back. Let's just look at the responses from people when I asked what it is. And then go back to there, back to the quote tweet. <laughs> so people, <laughs> this is the first one from Casey Ellis, founder of Bug Crowd. He says, when a mummy balloon and a daddy balloon love each other so much that it makes a white makes a wild new balloon. I think you meant a whole new balloon. A whole new balloon, Casey. Uh, <laughs> someone here says you're going to regret asking for that. Now, the, the, the legitimate answers here, and I've got the, the theme of this, is largely people pop balloons. And apparently there is some, maybe it's like ASMR, where there's some sort of, some people enjoy the sensation or the feeling or the visual of popping a balloon. Like, I guess you could be into worse things, really. It's like, what is it? Is it cocaine? Is it heroin? No, nah, I like popping balloons. Oh, well, that's okay then. <laughs> that's not so bad. This person, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's mostly people getting off to balloons popping. It's honestly pretty tame in comparison to inflation or something. Now I'm wondering what the hell inflation is. I can guess. Uh, I can't read some of these responses. <laughs> and and also when we say balloons it's not like the balloons you'd get for your kids it's like balloons of horses that are about horse sized this is the theme i'm getting here uh so it says nothing really it's been blown out of proportion zing you got a feel for the victims i'll be feeling really deflated hearing about this I think that it's like this tweet. Things that unexpectedly blow up. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Pretty girls pop balloons. I don't... But see, this is the thing. It's... When you see the word fetish, you think of it as having some sort of sexual element to it, but that doesn't seem to be the case here. Balloon animals. Uh, yeah, well. Anyway, so they had a data breach. <laughs> now, look at the comments here. As, uh, as Christian says, lunars. So apparently they're called lunars. This is one of the things I've learned. I've learned so much stuff from data breaches. I really have. Um, Stefan says, no way to be objective and mature with a balloon fetish breach. Yeah. Evidently. Uh, <laughs> Trevor says, there is a video on YouTube of quite a creepy guy who lives alone, obviously, has balloons in every room, sleeps with them, has love for them and a whole host of other interesting deviant things. Seven says, let's not blow things out of proportion. Some people are probably feeling very deflated after being in a breach like this. Uh, it's still people's personal data. It's still got breached. It's, it shouldn't happen. 
as best I can tell from looking at where the data got shared, it's the usual young kids these days just causing havoc uh, without any other motive. It's certainly, it's not like you're selling the lunar data or anything like this. So that sucks. All right, here's what else sucks. <laughs> Twitter's nasty XSS CSRF. Now, I saw this pop up yesterday, and it was later in the day, and I wasn't sure if it was just a ranty thing from someone who was pissed because they didn't get bounty, or if there was more to it. Seems, as best I can tell, there is more to it. It's kind of fascinating. So someone, Chofan Shu, is saying, here is the full disclosure of Twitter XSS CSRF vulnerability. Clicking a crafted link or going to some crafted web page would allow attackers to take over your account, posting, liking, updating your profile, deleting your account, etc. Like it's basically as bad as it gets for a Twitter account. And we're still calling it Twitter because X just sounds weird. Now this I saw pop up because this guy or girl or whoever it is, one of these generic sort of accounts, got pissed that they didn't get a bounty for reporting something. Now, I've seen people get pissed for not getting bounties for things that should never have gotten bounties, but this, <laughs> this well and truly should have got a bounty, assuming it is as represented. And it seems like this person uh, tried to report it, didn't get traction, got upset, put something on Twitter, then got banned from the bounty program, got even more upset, and at some point in time has gone full disclosure on this. I would assume, based on the fact that this tweet and subsequent discussion went out, looks like about a day and a half ago now. I assume it's well and truly fixed by now. I hope it's fixed by now. So this person says, uh, on 12.11, which I think is the back-to-front way of saying 11 December, use letters, folks, it's unambiguous. 11 December, oh, rabbit, 2333. Posted details about NexSS on the Twitter subdomain. So sorry, it's not this person, it's someone else who posted it. Uh, Twitter reflected XSS, POC reflected XSS. It's when Scott and I run these workshops and we get to the XSS bit, it's like, what can you do with JavaScript? And people think about it for a bit and go, well, you can do pretty much anything. Where there's not browser controls like HTTP only cookies and like same site origin policy, uh, it's early, it's hot. Uh, same origin policies on cookies. All this sort of thing, you can do pretty much anything because you can rewrite the DOM, you can redirect people to different places, you can request the browser to load external content. Now, you can do a lot with XSS, but things like HTTP-only cookies and same-site policies are there to stop the bad things from happening. So this person goes on. The XSS seems to be nothing beyond an alert popper, and I think this was the POC, just popping an alert, which is a very common XSS POC. Let's have a look at this. Yeah, it's just someone... Just pop this up. There's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of, as best I can tell, Chinese characters here. Huh. So maybe I wonder if there was a like a cultural language barrier when they tried to report this as well. Anyway, it looks like nothing beyond an alert popper because Twitter's cookies are HTTP only, meaning reading them using JavaScript is impossible. There are CSRF tokens, so no CSRF attacks. Same site policy on Twitter.com, so no CSRR, CSRF attacks to it. So you cannot initiate a request to Twitter.com from another domain and have the cookies pass with the request because of same site policy. And then they go on and they say, however, I figured out some undocumented endpoints on api.twitter.com 
also support using cookies to access, which of course brings in that whole discussion about, in theory, not using cookies as an auth method for an API because the API is meant to be stateless, but a cookie implies some state. So we should be using bearer tokens or some other token in a header or something that isn't a cookie. But apparently you can use cookies on this API. This means that any XSS on subdomains of Twitter can send requests to api.twitter.com and impersonate the user because that subdomain has the cookie when you're sending the cookie to api.twitter.com. It's not cross-domain, which means that, as they say here, it solves problems one and three. Problem one being the cookies are HTTP only. It solves that problem because you don't need to read the cookie. You just need the cookie to go with the request. You don't need to read it with JavaScript. Problem three solves the same site policy issue because you're posting it to the same site. You're not posting it cross-site. Reverse engineering, so that just leaves problem two, which is a CSRF token. <laughs> Reverse engineering of the JS code at twitter.com, I found that the CSRF token is just a hash of CSRF ID in the cookie. Surprisingly, the CSRF ID is not HTTP only, meaning that subdomain XSS can read this XSRF and create CSRF tokens. So <laughs> to paraphrase this, the token which is meant to be the thing that can't be read and then sent by a third party is in a cookie that isn't flagged as HTTP only, which means that if you can get XSS on the site, you can read it with JavaScript. And for some reason, that token was just, a, well, I guess it doesn't matter that it's a hash of an ID in a cookie. It doesn't matter that it's in the cookie. It matters that the cookie isn't HTTP only. So that solves problem two. And now we get the full JavaScript exploit to chain with the XSS vulnerability. In another word, visiting this link earlier today would take over your account. We might not click on that just in case. <sighs> and they finished. They said, it is highly irresponsible for Twitter to ignore these security issues and not pay the white hats. The architecture and design patterns also need to be corrected. I have a sense that we're just not going to get any response from modern Twitter on this, but it would be interesting to know why that wasn't taken seriously, because that's, that's, that's bounty worthy. Top reply here is from Jim Manico. He's got no, no. Well, he says, this is amazing. Just a brief note. Anytime you have XSS, you automatically have request forgery. And it's not cross-site request forgery per se. XSS leads to same site request forgery. Always. <laughs> and the guy's responded. He says, thanks for pointing out. I likely smoked too much weed last night. I was trying to say XSF turned into CSRF like attack. There's too many acronyms. I'm going to need a diagram of this. All right. Let's just agree it was bad and that shouldn't have happened. And they should have done the disclosure better. This is what it looks like on face value. And very often the truth is somewhere behind that. Uh, and, and this is kind of what, what I'm a little bit conscious of. There's, there's lots of people that pop up online and they say, such and such a company has got some bad security flaw. A bunch of times it's, it's not that or it's bullshit or there's more to the story. And I'm just really cautious about when to share something like this. And it's only after having seen this go round and round and round for the last couple of days and then that whole POC uh, that I thought that was a good time to share. There's a few other things happening at the moment. I think some of you will get what I mean by this, where I'm seeing lots of people tweet about something which they think is a security problem with another company 
I have an affinity to, and I'm just not sure that it's accurate yet. So I'm trying to get some more info on that. Uh, and then I'll share the outcomes of that. All right. What else is here? Greenleaf207 joined the stream. To you talking about balloon fetishes. Welcome. <laughs> uh, oh, that was earlier on. Where am I? Where am I on the schedule? All right. DC HealthLink breach. This is not a new thing. This is a, a thing from earlier this year. The data just turned up in my inbox this week. Uh, I'm sure I have this in a tab somewhere. How many tabs do you have? <laughs> Open right now. Is there a way to count in Chrome? Where's my little down arrow thing? I can't see it because of all the lights. Is there a way to tell in Chrome how many tabs you presently have open? Oh, did they take the down arrow away? Why does Chrome keep giving you the down arrow in the top right and then taking it away? Because now you have to do a search for like tabs. Uh, can you do that? Ah, I'll just go to the story that I linked to. My computer rebooted overnight. And that means there are new things in the browser. So this DC Health Link, uh, in, in many ways, like it's it's smallish, forty eight thousand records. But DC Health Link, as best I can tell, is a, a US um, health insurance entity in DC, and as a result, has a lot of politicians in it. And it seems to have been a data breach due to uh, an insecure database. It happened earlier this year. It got a lot of traction to the point where someone from there ends up in Congress. I was reading their testimony yesterday, which is fairly typical. We've been breached. We're sorry. <laughs> it was sophisticated or whatever. Uh, but I think the embarrassing thing here is that it obviously included a bunch of politicians. It was posted to a popular hacking forum. There was then some contention around different parties involved in this where it was sold by one party, obtained by another party, posted by a different party uh, who then also blamed it on something to do with Russia. Uh, so this person says it was born, it was an idea born out of Russian patriotism, hacking DC Health, which is not a good look at the moment. So posted uh, on this particular hacking forum by someone under the pseudonym of Den4, claimed that he is a Russian national, but that claim could not be independently verified. Asked to show proof of his nationality, Denfor said, you just have to take my word. Yeah, because why not? Yeah. Rando hacker person. Uh, initially, Intel broker offered the complete data set for sale on March 6th for an undisclosed sum on the hacking forum, a site where breaches were frequently announced and data posted and sold. The post was pulled down shortly after it went live on March 8th. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of other folks said in a joint letter to Health Benefit Exchange Authority that the FBI informed them that it had purchased the data, which is interesting, isn't it? The feds paid for the data. Hmm. This would not be the first time databases contain a massive amount of sensitive information about US lawmakers and other government officials were attacked by hackers. And it goes on and goes on. Uh, and incidentally, I mean, just about every data breach has got .gov email addresses in it or .mil or police email. Like it's all sorts of important people who tend to be in them. Uh, this one was perhaps a little bit more sensitive because it's got things like social security numbers in there, which are a big thing in America. I still can't quite figure out why you're so dependent on these numbers. I mean, I say this, but how many problems did we have after the Optus data breach and people had their driver's license numbers exposed? So, uh, 
nothing of a really sensitive health nature in there. There's dates of birth and genders and ethnicities and things which which are personal and for many people they may consider sensitive, but there's not um, procedures that you've had or health conditions that you've had. So maybe not as bad as it could have been in that regard. Regardless, I flagged it as sensitive because it is health-related data. So it's not publicly searchable. You need to either verify or control the domain or use the little notification feature when you do a, a search for email address to see if it is in there. So look, a bit of, a, a bit of another day on the internet, to be honest with this data breach. Alrighty, so I think that's uh, that's everything on my schedule for today, folks. We've got one more of these to do before Christmas, which is, uh, which is gonna be in a week from now. The video's gonna be in a week from now, and then the one after that, I'm gonna be doing with you, Scott, from, uh, from Paris, mate. So let's carve out some time to do that. When I tried to do all this, down, I was gonna say remotely, <laughs> via laptop last week with Charlotte, we had some mic problems. I'm gonna fix these mic problems by having bought new mics and other bits and pieces to try and make sure that when we do it from Paris, it's all gonna be uh, nice and smooth. So thanks folks, see you later. Um, I hope you stay cooler than what I will be today.